part of the reason for things uh, being a little bit different uh, this morning, we're going to be taking a break. We're halfway through the book of Ecclesiastes. We're more than halfway through the sermons. We're a little slower through the first half of the book. We're going to go faster through the last half. But we're taking a break from that. And you can see in your bulletin that we're in Jeremiah chapter 29, um, which is just kind of, it seems, out of the blue. Uh, There's no actual notes. There's just a lot of space for you to take notes yourself going to be nothing on the screen behind you, but if you have your Bible with you, you want to open up to Jeremiah chapter 29. We're going to spend our time uh, there this morning. This is really coming out of, I just took uh, in, a, in my schedule, just kind of took a week off. I just, uh, not a week off, um, a week off from preaching Ecclesiastes. What, what the church gives me each year is a week of study and renewal time, and I hadn't scheduled that for the year of 2016, but got to a point um, just a couple weeks ago where I just hit a wall and I recognized that I needed that. And so I was able to squeeze that in this past week, which looked like me spending four days this week in the morning, just being in the prayer, in prayer and in the word uh, and reading a book called The Imperfect Pastor, uh, which is what you have. Um, and then uh, and then in the afternoon, spending some time just studying ahead for the passages coming up. So I have something to start with each week. And so um, so that's what I've been spending my week doing. And so I intentionally blocked off then this Sunday to not be in Ecclesiastes, but to just speak a little bit about what kind of work that God has been doing in my heart. And I'm going to be preaching out of a passage. And a lot of this, I'm not going to just kind of share with you um, all the stuff that God's been doing in my heart and my life, but it comes really, a lot of it comes down to what I see here in Jeremiah chapter 29. So that's where we're going to be. Um, I've, I've had the privilege of being the pastor here for three and a half years, um, and I'm young and ambitious, and I like to make stuff happen. Uh, and so even I remember when I was a youth pastor, I was a youth pastor before being here for seven and a half years, I would often find myself thinking, someday when I'm a senior pastor, uh, which is not what I got into youth ministry wanting to do, but that's a desire that God gave me over time, and I would be thinking about Uh, what that would be like, uh, to have the opportunity to serve a church as their senior pastor and longed for that and was looking forward to that. And because I'm I'm young and ambitious, I like to make things happen. And so I have dreams and I have visions. And and, and what I needed to be reminded of, by the way, the sermon title for today is Not Yet. Okay, so I'm going to get to that in a little bit, right? That, that, That this kind of ambition that I have, this drive that I have, I want to see things happen. I've said since I came here that I want to see us increasingly become a church that's molded by God's word and motivated by God's glory as we make disciples throughout God's world. And we've seen God do that. I've, I've you know, been able to see God at work in those ways in and through this church in these three and a half years. But there's always something in me that just wants more. I want to see more of that. Oh, we got to send out one missionary from here in the last three years. Let's send out some more. We've gotten to raise up some leaders in the church. Let's raise up some more. We've reached some lost people with the gospel. Young men have been discipled by older men and younger women by older women. But I want to see more of all that. And there is this kind of like impatience that I have, this drive, this ambition that just wants to see stuff happen and stuff happen now. But my problem is that I can't make it happen. You deal with that? Like there's stuff that you want to see happen in your life, and maybe you have this drive and this ambition to go at it and make it happen, but it just doesn't happen, 
in our timing, that, that there's things that just like, oh, I want to see this happen, and I want to see it now. And one thing that I've come to realize over and over again is how weak and limited I am. I can't be everywhere. I can't fix everything. I can't do everything that I want to do. And so it was good for me to take this week to just be away and remind, be reminded of that. Like you can't, you can't control everything. Uh, I have that problem. You can't, you can't make stuff happen. And so that was a message I needed to hear. And so the title of today's message is not yet. Not, not that it's not going to happen. Not that we're not going to send out a bunch more missionaries. Not that we're not going to raise up many more leaders. Not that we're not going to have uh, a number of lost people come to faith in Christ so this place is overflowing on a Sunday morning. That might happen, but not yet. Right, and we don't like those words "not yet," kids. When you're when you ask your parents something and they tell you "not yet," you get excited about that. Nobody gets excited about that. Like, mom, can I have dessert? Not yet. Oh, you got to eat that first, right? Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. So, so maybe other questions that you're asking. You've been dealing with or watching somebody in your family dealing with sickness, and you're wondering when God will heal them. And maybe the answer so far has been, well, not yet, right? That, that your marriage is troubled, and you're wondering when that's going to get better, and the answer so far has been, not yet. You're wanting to get married, and God has said, not yet. You're wanting to have children, and God has said, not yet. We don't like, not yet, right? We don't like to hear those words. That's the words that we're going to hear in this passage that we're going to look at this morning. We're going to look at the book of Jeremiah chapter 29, and, and, and I'm going to wonder with you if the work that God calls us to, the work of loving God and loving our neighbors, the work of parenting and marriage and going to work or being single or whatever the work that God's called you to is, that oftentimes this work is hard, sometimes painful, often very slow, and most of the time just very ordinary, Right? And so we're going to look at Jeremiah chapter 29. It is a passage, there's a verse in this passage that for many people is a favorite verse in all of Scripture. But it's a verse that's often misused because the context of it is misunderstood. And I want to help us to understand that a little bit more uh, this afternoon, or this morning. It's not afternoon yet. It might be by the time we're done. Um, but Jeremiah 29, uh, Jeremiah is a book written by a prophet. Okay? He's a prophet in the 500s B.C., sent by God to minister to the people of Judah, who are at this point now in exile. They have sinned against God, and their punishment, their discipline that God is giving them because He loves them, is that they have been taken away by the Babylonians. And they're in exile. They're not where they want to be in life. They remember what it was or, what it, or, or have a desire for what it could be. They remember that God had made them a promise and it had something to do with land, but now they're not living in that land. And they desire to be back in that land. They want to be where they're not right now. And so Jeremiah is sent to minister to these people going through this very challenging time. Jeremiah is not the only one talking to these people, though. They're hearing lots of different voices from lots of different people, and they're trying to figure out which one is the voice of God, because not every prophet speaking to them is speaking the truth. They might say they're speaking for God, but they're not all speaking for God. Jeremiah has a message for them that actually is from God, and we have it recorded here in the book called Jeremiah in the Old Testament. 
Jeremiah is going to write a letter. So most of the passage we're going to look at today is a letter that Jeremiah writes to these people. The first three verses are just some introduction to give us some background. So that's what we're going to look at today. Jeremiah 29, 1-14. I do have points in the sermon, and I'll share those as we go. There's three of them, kind of like usual. Um, and so I'll let you know as we go along if you are taking notes. But if you're able to, would you please stand as we read God's Word? Let me just pray first, and then I'll read. Father, it is my desire that you would, this morning as I preach your word, that you would grab hold of our hearts and and minds in a way that I can't by my preaching, but you can by your spirit. So I pray that you would do that now for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. The word of God from Jeremiah chapter 29. These are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jeconiah and the queen mother, the eunuchs, and the officials of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen and the metal workers had departed from Jerusalem. The letter was sent by the hand of Elasa, the son of Shaphan, and Gemira, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Babylon, to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, it said, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce, take Wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. And pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you and do not listen to the dreams that they dream. For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. You can be seated. So here's point one. We're going to spend a lot of our time on point one and less time on points two and three. Point one is this. Get planted here. Get planted here. This is verses one through seven. Point one, get planted here. You heard me read of the situation that kind of puts this whole thing into context in verses one to three. I'm not going to read over those verses again. But the situation is God's people have been sent by God into exile in Babylon Jeremiah is still in Jerusalem, and he's writing a letter to the people that are in exile. Did you get that from verses 1 to 3, right? So that's the situation. So this is a letter 
within the book of Jeremiah, but this is a letter that Jeremiah wrote to the exiles in Babylon. Okay, And it starts in verse 4. And, and, and i got to imagine, if they hear, okay, so we got another letter from another prophet. This time it's from this guy named Jeremiah. They may have heard the prophecy of the guy that we could read about in chapter 28. In chapter 28, there was another prophet who claimed to speak for God, and his name was Hananiah. And Hananiah told them, listen, in two years, you're going to be back in the land. And I don't know if that sounds like good news or bad news to them. Two years depends on your age. Maybe feels like a long time or maybe a short time, like two years. So everything that got so bad recently is going to get all better in two years. Like, think about it. How old will you be in two years? And really, in the grand scheme of things, that's not too long to wait, right? And Hananiah told them, hey, in a couple years, two years, everything's going to be better. Okay? And that's the message that they received. Now, they get word that they have a letter from Jeremiah. They must be wondering, what is Jeremiah going to say? Is it going to be sooner than two years? Or is he going to confirm what Hananiah already said, that it's going to be two years? And so they're probably pretty excited to get this letter. And then he starts off with these instructions. Now, if it's only two years, you could imagine the instructions being something like, don't unpack your boxes. You're going to be moving back in two years, right? Like, like just, just kind of rent a place. Don't own. Uh, don't take out a mortgage. Just rent a place there in Babylon. You're coming back home in two years. But Jeremiah, without saying any period of time yet, he will later, right now he just tells them this. Look at verses 4 to 6. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Verse 5. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Multiply, do not decrease. You see that in verses 5 and 6? What is he telling them to do? They're excited. Good. It's going to get better. We're going to, we're going to move to this place and all of our dreams will come true. And he tells them, actually, go ahead and unpack your boxes. And why don't you go ahead and build a house there and live in it? Why don't you go ahead and plant a garden and eat from it? And why don't you go ahead and find some people to marry and start having children? Settle down there. Make your roots there. Dig in there. I wonder what they thought as they heard that message. Like, oh, hold on. I thought it was just going to be a couple years. That's what Hananiah said. And now you're telling us to get planted, to put down roots in Babylon? This isn't where God wants us to be. This can't be where God wants us to be. He's got much bigger plans. I heard of his promises, right? That there's got to be something bigger than, than living here in Babylon as exiles. And he tells them, why don't you just get busy doing ordinary stuff? Build a house and live in it. Plant the garden and eat the food from it. Have a family. Do that kind of stuff. One thing that was a gift to me this week during this time of study renewal, I went to a different place every day and came home every night. And, and because I was able to finally slow down during a week, I'm just I gotta meet with them. I gotta I gotta work on this. I'm just always doing something. And this week, I just got to do ordinary life stuff. And guess what? I heard sounds that I don't normally hear. I'm sure they're always around, but I don't even stop to listen to them. I just, I got to smell flowers. I actually did that uh, this week. Just smelled flowers. I got to just sit and watch people, like not in a creepy way, but in a like, wow, like God is, 
God has made, like, and I, normally I'm too busy to just look at what's going on. I'm just, I got to go. I got to do something. I got to get to the next thing. I'm always thinking of the next thing. What's the next thing? What's the next bigger, better thing that I'm on to, right? And I got to stop this week and just do ordinary stuff. Just get planted, get get my roots dug deep. And we're like that, aren't we? That, that, that we always are thinking about what we have to get done. We always got to check on something. I got my phone in my pocket, and, and I got to check on the news. Something going on in the world out there. Something big out there. Well, there's, a, there's a game that's being played. I got to check the score of that game. I've always got to, like, I've got to see what's going on in somebody else's life somewhere else. So I got to check Facebook or Twitter or whatever it is, right? That we're always, we're always not, like, we're not here. You feel that sometimes? Like, you're always thinking about something else. Your, your mind is somewhere else. And I like this reminder to just do ordinary stuff. You, you'd imagine these big commands coming from God. The commands are build a house and live in it. Plant the garden and eat food from it. Make a family. Right? That's the commands that they get. Do ordinary stuff. This is what we're called to do often. That where God has put you, that's on purpose. And so dig your roots down deep in the place that God has put you, in the family that He's put you with, in the, in the church that He's put you with, in the community that He's put you with. Dig your roots down deep. Stick around. Go through hard stuff together. And here's what you need to do while you're here. Verse 7. Verse 7. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare you will find your welfare. It's a good message, isn't it? He's saying, listen, where you're at in Babylon, these people who took you captive and took over your house, and now you're living in their land, I want you to seek their good, and I want you to pray for them while you're living there. Oh, that's a hard message to hear. I liked it better when Hananiah said, we're going home in two years, right? I liked it better when everything was going to get better here right quick, just around the corner, right? But this message from Jeremiah that God tells Jeremiah to share with them is get your roots planted deep and seek the good of the people around you, even if they don't love and worship God, and maybe even especially if they don't love and worship the one true God. They're worshiping all sorts of false gods. Love them. Seek their good and pray for them as you live amongst them. This is not where they wanted to be, but this is where God wanted them. Did you notice that in verse 7? That it says this is God put them there. Verse 7 says, But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. Why were they in Babylon? Because God sent them there. Verse 4 says the same thing. Verse 14 says the same thing. God makes it clear they are where they are because God put them where they are. And they ought to then spend their lives planting roots there, doing everyday ordinary things as they love God and love their neighbors, seeking their good and praying for them. That's a good message for us, isn't it? Isn't that a good message for us? Wherever it is that God has put us, if God has put you in a family where there's a lot of struggle, the easiest thing to do in our culture would be to back out from that, right? That, that our marriage is difficult and so I'm going to distance myself or even separate myself from that. What if instead we were the kind of people that said, no, this is the marriage that God has given me, and so I'm going to plant my roots deep, and I'm going to seek the welfare of my spouse, and I'm going to pray for them on a regular basis. That would be a good thing. What about in a church family? Now, 
the three and a half years that I've been here, like people, like I go meet with other pastors, like, so is your honeymoon over yet? Like, I don't think so. I Stuff has gone really, really smoothly. I mean, there's always challenges and struggles, but for the most part, this church has experienced great unity and, and growth and those kinds of things. But you know if you stick around people like this long enough, it's not always going to be smooth. At some point, you're going to get sick of me if you're not already, right? At some point, I'm going to do something that makes you mad. At some point, somebody sitting around you is going to offend you. And so the easy thing would be to just pick up and leave. Well, somebody told me it's better somewhere else. The grass is greener on the other side, so I'm going to just pick up and leave. But what if we heard this message and said, no, God has put me here with these people. And part of the way that I'm going to grow is I stick it out in hard situations. That, that I plant my roots deep and I care for the welfare of these people around me and I pray for them. Or we could think of it in terms of this nation that God has put us in. I was thinking about that this week with Memorial Day coming up uh, tomorrow. I was thinking of the fact, do you like everything that's going on in our nation? I don't. I don't know if you're going to run into a lot of people like just in love with everything that's happening in our nation, right? More and more, you might feel, and I've heard a lot of people that have lived longer than I have that say, I just don't feel like this is the place that I grew up in, right? Like, like stuff is changing so rapidly, and we feel like exiles. Like we look at this place and like, this place isn't my home. You even hear from veterans who have served. Like, I can't believe this is the country I've served, and this is the decisions that they're making now and the direction that they're heading, right? And so there is this tendency, but obviously, here's the deal, God put us here, right? We recognize that, that this is the place where God has placed us. And it is a good, good nation to live in. People from all over the world want to come and live here as well. It must be a good, good place to live. You might not like everything about what's going on in America, but it is a good place to live, and we experience freedoms that I think most of us, for most of the time, just take for granted. I know I do, right? And those freedoms came with the price that there were people who over time, uh, and even even people around us in our community and our church family who have given, some who have given everything, so that they could protect and maintain the freedoms that we have been granted as a nation. And so, I think it would be totally acceptable, and to- not just acceptable, it would be wise for us tomorrow, uh, maybe you have a day off of work, right, that, uh, that, that maybe you're thinking about what kind of food you're going to eat and who you're going to be with and all that kind of stuff. I think it would be great to spend an hour tomorrow um, and go to one of those local, whether it's here in town or in Alden or Bradford or wherever, go to one of those local Memorial Day events and just remember that there has been a price paid for us to experience what we experience in this land that we live in. That's part of us planting our roots here and saying, yes, I am an American, and it is good to be an American, and, and I can have all these experiences of what it means to be an American because other people have sacrificed for me. And that's not at all in conflict with us gathering together on a Sunday morning and, and recognizing that we pledge our allegiance, first of all, to the King of kings and Lord of lords, right? That he is, is the God of all. He is sovereign over all nations, and our primary allegiance is to him. But we also recognize that we've been put in this place, and so we want to be people that seek the welfare of the people around us in our nation, and we pray for the leaders and the people in our nation, right? All right, so I think we get that message also from Jeremiah chapter 29. 
I'm also thankful, like Paul says, that our citizenship is in heaven, right? So ultimately and primarily, we are citizens of heaven, but that doesn't mean that we check out here. The, the Babylonian exiles, the, the Israelis as, as exiles in Babylon, they weren't like, well, I'm checking out because this ain't my home. He's saying, no, you're not checking out. You will build a house and you will live in it. You will pray for these people and seek their welfare. Eat it, plant the garden and eat food from it. All right. Now, that was point number one. Here's point number two. Last two are going to be a little quicker. Point number two is this. Be skeptical of your best life now kind of prophets. Be skeptical of prophets who tell you that you can live and have your best life now. Okay? Be skeptical of those. That was the message that Hananiah wanted to share with these people. Hey, it's just around the corner. Just hang on. Don't unpack. It's all going to get better really soon. Keep thinking positively. God's going to provide for you. That's what Hananiah was saying. But here's what God says in verses 8 and 9. Go ahead and look at verses 8 and 9. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they dream, for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. It's pretty clear, isn't it? Right? He's just saying, he's just getting right in their face like, listen, there's other people that are talking to you, and they're saying that they're speaking in my name. Do not listen to them. They are lying, and they're deceiving you. Do not listen to them. It might sound really good. Of course you want to listen to Hananiah. If you're in a tough situation, you want to get out of it, right? We, of course we want to hear people that are going to tell us that, that we're going to be happy tomorrow, and all we need to do is this, and then life is just going to turn around, and it's going to be great. But Jeremiah is, is warning them, don't listen to those false prophets. Do you think you can find these guys? Do you think you can find Hananiah's today? Flip on your TV, go to a Christian bookstore, turn on the radio, and they're all over the place. Right? People that will tell you that you can have your best life now. And I am referring to a book that Joel Osteen wrote, so I will name a name. Um, but there's a lot of people like him. Right? I could go on. i got a long list of names, but if you want to know if, if, if your favorite's on there. Just because they have a, because they say they're speaking in God's name, because they're called a pastor, because they've written a book that's in a Christian bookstore, because that stuff, we need to be discerning. And that's what we're called to here in verses 8 and 9. Not everybody who claims to speak for God speaks for God. There's many people that hijack what God's Word actually says, and what they say actually sounds really nice, even better than what God's Word actually says. That's the case in Jeremiah chapter 29. All right. So, let's see. I got notes here. I'm just talking now. Um, Okay, yes. So here's the thing. Um, We want things to happen now, right? Here's one verse that really hit me while I was away this week. Um, 2 Timothy chapter 4. I I love the the beginning of this this verse because I I hear it and I'm like, yes, I can do that. And God's going to do great things. God's going to change lives in Iowa Falls Evangelical Free Church if I am faithful to do this. Here's what it says. Preach the word. Say amen. That's what I love to do. I will preach the word, whether it's from the pulpit or when I'm sitting with people. I will preach the word. Be ready, in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort. And I say, yes, bring it on. That's what you've called me to. I want to do that work. Let's do this. And then you know what the next words are? 
with complete patience. So you mean people aren't going to change overnight? You, you mean you mean that, that the church isn't just going to experience explosive growth as lost people come to faith in Jesus and people are discipling others? Like, you mean we're not going to be sending out more and more missionaries all the time? We're not going to be looking at where can we plant another church because we just need to get more people reached with the God? Yeah, do it all with complete patience. I read this quote. This applies to us. If you're, I'm the only pastor, I think, in here today. Um, but this applies to you if you're a parent as well. I'm just talking about just more parenting guys. There's no quick fixes and no shortcuts to good parenting, right? Here's what this guy says in that book, The Imperfect Pastor. He says, we have to resist the naive or manipulative assumption that just because we preached or said something to someone once, they should hereafter immediately, always, and forever get it right. Like, well, I already said that. How many times as a parent do you say, like, how many times do I have to tell? Like, well, lots. How many times has God had to remind you of things over and over and over again? We need to be preaching the word, but doing it with complete patience, recognizing that change doesn't happen overnight. These your best life now, it's just around the corner. Sometimes that's just a lie, right? Sometimes the work God has for us is going to take a long period of time. How long, you wonder? Let's look at verse 10. We're going to finally get a number. Is it two years? Are two years, is that our magic number? In two years, we're all going to be heading back. They're all doing the math in their head. Right now, I'm 35, so that means I'll be 37. 37, that's not bad. I can still live a life there. But look at what verse 10 says. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. So now they're doing the math, and if I'm doing the math as a 35-year-old, I'm going to be dead. Right? 105? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be dead. By the time that God fulfills this promise that Hananiah said was just around the corner in two years, God says through the prophet Jeremiah that this is, this is it. This 70 years from now, the majority of the people that are hearing this will not be alive to experience the fulfillment of this promise. Imagine their shoulders just kind of slumping. Like, oh, really? Huh. I like, they're like, I want to go to Hananiah's church. Right? I don't like Jeremiah's church. I'm going to go to Hananiah's church. He says nicer things. What does that mean? Most of the people are going to live the rest of their lives in exile in Babylon. That's why he told them earlier, get planted. Seek the welfare of these people and pray for them. And in their welfare, you find your welfare. And then in that context, this is the this is the crazy thing. I mentioned that not many, and I, I was shown two already, graduation cards that had a verse from Ecclesiastes in them. I said it wouldn't happen. It happened. Um, Trish wrote one of them. But another one was actually printed. Uh, but this is, a, this is a verse that shows up in a lot of graduation cards. And this is a verse that we claim as like a promise from God about how we're going to get a new job really soon or sell our house or whatever it is that we want to claim it for. Forgetting about the context of this verse. Here's the verse. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. What are they going to be doing in the immediate future? For, for some of them, for the rest of their lives. They're going to be living in a place that is less than ideal for them, and they're supposed to just do ordinary things. 
get married, have some kids, plant the garden, eat some food, live in a house. Pray for the people that live there. Work for their good. That's the future that most of them are facing, right? That's the plans that God has for most of them. The, the bigger promise that God makes is further out than that. So verses 12 to 14 share a little bit of God's desire. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me. This is what God wants. He wants people who, while they're living in exile, will, and then after that as well, that they will call upon Him and come and pray to Him, and He will hear them. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. He says, that day is coming, but in the meantime, would you seek my face? that that would be us, that we would spend our days, we would be content to spend our days doing ordinary things for the good of those around us, loving them, praying for them, that God might be glorified as we seek His face. And we trust in His promise for the future. Now, Jeremiah, just so you know, Jeremiah 29.11 was not a promise made to you. You are not about to get out of your Babylonian exile, Right? You are not living in Babylon. This was a letter written to people living in Babylon who wanted to live in Israel. That's not us. Right? But does this apply to us? Oh, yes, there are ways that it applies to us. That there is this promise that God gives us of a future and a hope. And in our case, it's way better than we're going back to the land. Because when they would get back to the land, they would be disappointed. Because the temple that they would rebuild was not nearly as good as the first temple that they had. Right? That, that not everybody would come back and they just wouldn't be the powerful nation that they used to be. And so our ultimate fulfillment of this promise is not something in the past, it's something in the future. That we worship God who sent His Son Jesus to live a perfect life, to die a death in our place as our substitute, and to be raised from the dead, and to promise to come again to create the new heavens and the new earth. That's the ultimate fulfillment of this promise. The, the future and the hope that we look forward to, recognizing that we're citizens of heaven, but we're here as exiles on this earth, is that we are longing for the day when we will again be in Jesus' presence in the new heavens and the new earth where we will live with Him forever. That's what we're longing for. That's the fulfillment of this promise that we're still looking for. It's not just about the job that you want to get or the house that you want to sell or the career that you want to make for yourself after graduation. It's much bigger than that. And that's what Jeremiah 29.11 is. And so, so in some ways it seems less hopeful, but in many ways it seems so much more hopeful. It's better than Hananiah's message. And it echoes, Jesus echoes this message when he says this. And I'm going to close with this verse in John chapter 14. Jesus says this, Let not your hearts be troubled, Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, and I will take you to myself, that where I am, there you may also be. That's what we long for, isn't it? 
And, and until that day comes, Jesus might come back in our lifetime, or it might be 70 years from now, and you might not be still living on this earth. But he does promise that he will return. And until that day, may we spend our lives doing ordinary things, building a house and living in it, planting gardens and eating from it, growing a family as we stick with those that God has put us with. That's my plan. That's another thing that got renewed while I was away. My plan, until you guys like just can't stand me at all anymore and kick me out, we want to plant roots here. We want to we be. This is, this is where we are. And so there's going to be hard times. You bet there are in the future. And we're going to stick it out together, and we're going to learn a lot together. That in our families, in our workplaces, wherever God has put us, that we lay down our roots there, and we seek the good of those around us, loving them as we pray for them, whether that's in our nation, in our workplace, or wherever it is. So let me pray. And while I'm praying, if the worship team wants to come out, and we'll uh, respond to God by singing to him. Father, I thank you. Um, for the reminder that the work that you are doing is sometimes uh, much bigger and much better than our tunnel vision allows us to see. We're so impatient, we want things to happen now, and so often your answer is, not yet. And so God, would you protect us from believing those that are telling us that we can, we can have everything right now, but help us instead to willingly love and sacrifice ourselves for the good of those around us, that we would display to them the sacrificial love that Christ gave to us on the cross. Would you help us, God? Because, because we do get impatient. We want to see things happen quickly. And we put a lot of pressure on ourselves. And in the end, we just want to be faithful servants doing what you've called us to do in everyday, ordinary life. Help us with that in Jesus' name.